Right, it's Carl here from Games Brains of Being Alive with another trip to our own personal desert island where we'll be dropping off Evil Stew of Fuzzy Stoner Dude Rockers. Yeah, they, they're yeah, yeah, they fall into a garagey kind of noisy thing. If you know him, it is, of course, Goat Monsoon, Essex's finest Goat Monsoon. But we're not staying. <laughs> Well, we're not staying in this island. We are leaving Stu on his own, but to ensure he doesn't get too bored, we have space. We had space on the boat to bring a few items with us. That's three games or books, three horror movies, and three records. All Stu's choice, up to him, basically. First things first, Stu, how are you doing? Um, it's frustrating, this, isn't it? With this uh, lockdown business, but. Uh... Weirdly enough, you kind of get used to it. And now I'm actually more apprehensive about coming out of it and people being complete dicks than, than you know, the whole lockdown thing. But obviously being in a band, I want to do the band. So, yeah. you know, gigs and stuff. And that kind of... Well, yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, how, how badly has your life been, other than the band stuff, because of course we know how badly that's been affected. But in your own personal life, how much has it been being in lockdown, stuck at home and stuff like that? Um, I've saved some money. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I bought a new uh, Fender amp uh, not so long back uh, due to the money that I'd saved oh. not going off to London every five minutes. So mm. that bit. Um, I've been doing, I've been going to work every day and that's been really hectic because obviously there's not many people in this inn. It's just me. Um, but it's been mostly the band that's, that I've been missing. Um, so literally just trying to do anything to get everything going. And, um, you know, anything that we can do that doesn't involve us actually having to do anything. It's uh, kind of what we've done. So, uh, yeah. What have you guys, like, how have you guys been keeping, I mean, presumably been keeping contact the usual ways as you would anyway, but um, regarding Gulp Monsoon, and obviously you can't go out and play live or anything like that. I know recently you did a, 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 a effectively a lockdown video. Um, mm. that, that, that is no easy task. I presume that took quite a while to put together. Um, we did the bit and we gave it to somebody else to do. Because uh, quite frankly, we didn't want to pay for the software. But um, a friend of our singer, Mike, um, a lady named Beth, I think, uh, she did the video for us and she sent us a test on it and it was perfect. So she went all the way with the video and it's great. It's, um, yeah, it's done quite well, actually. Yeah. Um, we picked one of our longest tracks to do. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But um, I literally did my part of the video after having just been asleep for about three hours. And I just got up and thought, you know what, I could do it now. Even yeah. I think it was about 12 or 1 in the morning or something. And uh, yeah, got that out of the way. And then just said to the rest of the guys, done my bit, it's up to you now. Yeah, I mean, surely that's not a bad idea. Just get up, don't think about it. You know what you got to do. Yeah. You, you played what you played that song however many times before, so. Yeah, but the weird thing is, on the EP, it's a lot faster. Okay. So um, I was a bit surprised. So there's me, sort of like, what the hell, man? And, uh, yeah, that caught us out a bit, but, yeah. Well, yeah, it was a cool thing to do, is say it's uh, important as well. Music industry obviously moves quickly, not in normal times. You can be forgotten about in a day if yeah. you're not regularly putting content out. Now, even more so, kind of feels that you have to at least do something to get, keep just to remind people, I guess. 
Yeah, that's why we kind of did the live EP. Uh, for one, it was really easy to do. And it required no effort whatsoever. Basically, we got the uh, we paid for the bloodstock footage, so we had that. Okay. To do was rip the audio, tie it up a bit, and then just put it out. And it was basically a way of keeping, because we'd gained a lot of Spotify listeners, and it was a good way to keep people occupied on there. Uh, so we forgotten about too much. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, as we said quickly, I was like, oh, yeah, of course you did the live EP. I love that yeah. live EP as well. Because yeah. Obviously, um, when you can't go out, to, you can't go out to live shows, just yeah. having that experience, particularly if you were there, which I was, so it was kind of awesome yeah. to be like, oh, yeah, God, it feels like a lifetime ago already, but it really it wasn't. It really does. Uh, when lockdown happened, it was one of the first things I did, and it seems like months ago. And uh, it, it came out okay. Uh, there's probably too much feedback on it, but that's why I entitled it uh, Fuzz and Feedback. Just yeah. to get, that, get that out of the way. Um, but it sounds good. But weirdly enough, I'm not a fan of live albums. Okay, what? Full stop? Yeah, I don't listen to them at all. I'd rather watch a DVD than listen to a live album. Oh, so totally the other way around. Rather hear it than see it. Yeah. I can understand to a degree because, like, when I say we, I'm talking about me and my my brother Brendan. And mm. um, we have a rule with live albums, which is basically don't overproduce it. If I can't hear the crowd, it's I might as well have just listened to the album then. That you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and it's you. You talk about having a lot of feedback on your EP, but it sounded re like raw, real, like oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's straight from the desk. Yeah straight from the desk. The only thing I did is I boosted uh, some of the sound and uh, I obviously did fade outs and fade ins, uh, cut out a few bits of banter. Um, but you can't hear the crowd very well because it was straight off the desk and there was kind of no ambient kind of yeah. But uh, I, it turned out well and, and um, it's a good uh, memento of that time, which uh, seems like eons ago it really does it really does yeah. right let's get started then choice of games and books what mm. three first of all is it games books it's games yeah okay get us started then um weirdly enough i don't play any games presently um i tried with pc games but i just found them too expensive take up way too much memory on the pc yeah and uh, so i'm gonna pick some games that were back in the day yeah now, I was born in the 70s. I mean, yeah, I know I don't look it, but you know. That's, well done, yeah. <laughs> um, grew up in the 80s, mostly. So the big one for me was the Spectrum. Oh, wow, wow. 48K. And uh, I played that so much. And it was one of those kind of um, machines where if you got so far in a game and you had to go to bed, you didn't switch the computer off. Yeah. And you just left, you probably turned the TV off, but you just left it on. And yeah. that in the morning you could continue. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to choose from the spectrum the game Bomb Jack. Okay, you're going to have to talk that one. I don't know it. It's a little dude, but particularly you, you, it sounds bad, but it's really addictive. And you kind of fly him around and you pick up bombs. And some of them turn into coins and all that kind of stuff. But you basically get different configurations of the bombs and there's platforms and things coming after you. And there's literally about eight scenes all representing different countries. 
but it gets harder as it goes on. And you might think, whoop-you-doo, but you can't stop playing it. Mm. Uh, and that was one that on the arcades, I think it was called something different on the arcade machines. Right. Um, but yeah, that was a staple. Always went back to that. And obviously that was on a tape you put into a cassette player. Oh, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was fun. So the good old Spectrum. Okay, all right, okay, right. Um, what's the next one then? Next one has got to be, moving on, um, we did Mega Drive and all that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, we got ourselves a PlayStation, and the big one for, for me and my wife was Resident Evil, no doubt about it. Um, the first one we played a lot and found it really difficult and could barely get through it. Uh, the second one was a bit easier and we completed it mm. and made it more fun to go back to and complete all over again. And uh, I think the third one, I think Nemesis. Yeah. Was, um, I don't think we made, made much headway on that at all. And, uh, but they kept us up at night a lot, those games. Uh, playing them well into the morning and um, so yeah Resident Evil probably my second choice the first game or the second game I preferred the second game but I think the first game just changed so much regarding how gaming was kind of thought of and uh, it was really scary mm. you know, I get scared by stuff but uh, when things start coming through windows at you you know, yeah, it was cool. So, yeah, Resident Evil. Did you, by chance, did you ever, uh, have you have you ever played the uh, remade version of the original Resident Evil, the one that first appeared on the GameCube, and you can now no. get on any console? No, not at all, no. We kind of, I, I personally stopped uh, with the games, basically, uh, with the PlayStation. Ah. Um, didn't do any Xbox or anything like that. Um, as I say, I tried to put stuff on the PC and I was like, how much for a game? <laughs> and yeah, uh, uh, my third choice, yeah. Silent Hill. Oh, you've also, all right, Silent Hill, okay. Mm. Yeah, I loved it and I completed it. I got a really shit ending because I think I killed somebody that I shouldn't have killed halfway through. I think I killed a nurse who was human and got a okay. shit ending. And, uh, but such a fantastic game. The atmosphere was fantastic. Um, played that well into the early morning. Um, usually felt sick afterwards because of the perspective. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of changing of perspective. Every time you go out of a room, it changes around. And so I feel quite sick after I played it for a few hours. So had to have a lie down after that. But um, yeah, so much atmosphere and um, a lot of the game based on other horror things. So um, you've got the street names, I think they're authors, most of them. Yeah. Uh, just stuff like that. And a really scary game. When you've yeah. got to open a locker and it's rattling and there's something inside it. Good stuff, yeah. Yeah, abs absolutely. You call this good timing. This is Silent Hill is, as of the time of recording, currently what we were focusing on in our 10 Things series, the love and hate. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah um, I saw that. I totally, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the hate ones uh, going up in two days' time, and it was a lot of fun because it, it, those both those games have gone back to Resident Evil and Silent Hill. Are um, bear in mind, I was pre-teenager at the time. Uh, basically, my first experiences 
with horror games, really. There was like Manic Mansion on the, the NES and stuff like that, but the first real experience. Which one do you prefer, Silent Hill or Resident Evil? Bear in mind above horror-themed games. Ooh. The atmosphere Silent Hill, possibly. The way it changes, the air raid siren, all of that, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's the biggest difference for me is the atmosphere, the, the horror themes. Resident Evil yeah. zombies and all that, and I, you know, you love that in its own way, but uh, scares, actually yeah. scary, yeah. But yeah. well, I must make a shout out to the uh, game uh, Medieval. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, which a friend of mine actually created, and I didn't know that. It's a guy I met a couple of years ago, a guy called Jay Gunn, and he actually created Medieval. Oh, um, wow. I did love that back in the day. Oh, uh, wow. Tim Burton, that was, that was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Tim Burton is great. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite games. Dude, hmm. dude created it. He 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 created a, a very very impressive piece of work. Love that yeah. atmosphere and the cartoony looks. You know, I'm gonna basically try to name drop as much as I can, so I can tag them all in the video. Oh, wicked! There are questions uh, about further things down the line, so you'll have that opportunity yeah. even more. I think. <laughs> Right, back to Got Monsoon then. Um, what plans as of right now? Do you do you have anything in the work? Anything you kind of want to, hoping to do by the end of 2020, if possible? Um, annoyingly, we had loads of really cool gigs up line, uh, lined up for this year. Um, there was some stuff we got involved with Rock the Foundry. Oh, cool. Um, who got some loads of really great gigs. Uh, gigs with Old Horn Tooth and uh, King Corpse and bands like that. And, that was places like Southampton and Oxford and all that. And we're really looking forward to those. Yeah. Uh, blown out the water. Um, the last practice we did, we basically came up with the most kick-ass song ever. And basically, when we next get back together, if any of us can remember it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're quite a lazy band, so. Uh, so not that much has changed. We've we've only kept in touch once through the whole thing. And because we're so bad at all this kind of media stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we, we keep in touch on uh, Messenger and WhatsApp and all that and stuff like that. And we've been selling merchandise, so that's been going. Yeah. So, yeah. Of course you um your new t-shirt, that was during this period, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The new T-shirt has done phenomenally well. Unfortunately, we sold out of it, and because uh, of things not being, you know, operable at this moment, we're trying to get those back. Um, and as always with most bands, our kind of merch sells better than our music does. So uh, make of that what you will. That is that's the life. Uh, I think now well, yeah. it is the life nowadays. You know, do you, you, you do you know why you reckon, or do you reckon why that the, the new T-shirt's done so well? It looks fucking great. That's it. That's it. No, I'm I'm actually yeah. 100 agree with you. So especially uh, when worn by cool dudes like yourself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, your first t-shirt. I don't know if you had one before, but first t-shirt you were selling at Bloodstock. It was yeah. black. Got one super yeah. in the front. Of it. Wicked. But yeah. it just had Goldman Super in the front of it. <laughs> this one's got you know. <laughs> yeah, we we did those in a hurry. It was basically for Bloodstock. Yeah. And uh, we didn't know how many we were going to sell. And uh, we did them for a fiver at Bloodstock and we sold a lot. And um, literally all day I was walking around Bloodstock seeing people approaching me in our t-shirt 
and I was kind of trying to avoid any kind of contact in case I messed it all up. You know, I was so appreciative of people wearing our top. I was like, if I start speaking to them, I might just blow the whole thing completely. So, uh, yeah. Well, it depends on, you know, yeah, you introduce yourself and yeah. I accidentally call them a, a CUNT or something like that. It's like, oh, no, <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It must have been yeah. quite encouraging because your, you, you, your set at Bloodstock last year was, um, it, the tent really filled up after a certain point. Mm. And there's often yeah. a kind of a, a certain uh, expectation or belief on bands. You, you've got friends, you've got family there and so on. That's what you're, that you're thinking that's all, all you're going to see. Yeah. So it must have been quite heartening, right? When you're looking at not seeing faces that yeah. you, you, you see at your gigs regularly. I was really surprised. Yeah? We had people that had come down to see us and uh, I clocked them all down the front. And um, but the thing is with me, in order to get myself through what is an incredibly weird situation, I kind of see it, but I try not to pay attention to it. So I kind of see all these people and I try not to compute it just in case I fuck up while I'm playing. Yeah, yeah. Is looking at the crowd. Uh, I was amazed and the response we got was fantastic. And um, it, it couldn't, I think I told you uh, at the time, it couldn't have gone better from our, our kind of point of view. And um, yeah, it was great and uh, such an experience. But obviously, after you've done it, the downer is pretty severe. Yeah, of course. And you've kind of fought for the time being, and I imagine it's the case that ultimately that might be for you the high point of the band as of right now. And now you need to yeah. find that next high point. Yeah. Yeah, it's very weird because uh, there was so much uh, that we had to do before Bloodstock and for a little while afterwards there was a lot we had to do after Bloodstock. There were reviews coming in and photos and all that kind of stuff. And then for a while, literally, nothing happened at all. And you basically go, okay, we've done that. We've now got to work on what we're doing next. Yeah. And uh, that can be disheartening, but it also basically tells you that that's what you want to be doing yeah. you know um the the main question within the band was having done something like that is it something we want to do in future and the answer is yes big time yeah yeah so it, it unified us with our kind of you know going forward sort of thing yeah i mean bloodstock's great and all that but there are many other festivals that you will you know many other festivals to get to um and obviously like other bands the goal surely would be okay cool new blood one metal to the masters fantastic that was great well we now know what happens next that's the next goal for that festival you know yeah. but you as a mu your musical star got monsoon is very uh open i think in the sense that there's nothing really blocking you from playing anywhere maybe, all right maybe the likes of i don't know glastonbury well, no, even that doesn't know of course you yeah can. yeah yeah there's nothing really yeah. stopping you yeah, we're, we're kind of heavy enough for the heavy dudes, uh, not too heavy that people would tune out. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got quite a few things going on. And uh, Mike as a front man is absolutely brilliant. You might slag the audience off sometimes. Uh, you might say far too many swear words, but it's all great. And a lot of the reviews after Bloodstock were basically how entertaining our front man was. And that was cool. And for 12 o'clock on a, on a Saturday, that was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. 
your horror movie choices then, Stu. Oh, I don't know. Right. This is going to be very, very interesting. Ooh, now, I am a massive horror movie fan. Massive. And I have been since I was a kid. And um, now the first choice, is it even a horror movie? I don't know. Oh, okay. It's one of the best films ever made. And it has to be. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh. Is it a horror me, movie? Me, I would, I would class it as a... See, I, I would think it was a horror movie, but it, it's... Horror... It, it's a thriller. It's a kind of suspense action film. Uh, it also happens to be just literally one of the most perfect films. That yeah. Um, there's stuff that's wrong with it, but it just makes it, you know, it makes it better. It's weird that, um, you know, it was a movie I grew up watching uh, as well, including the, the sequels for some reason. Um, and when you get older, you start hearing and maybe you read an IMDb and stuff like that, and you hear about these mistakes and all that, and you rewatch and you're thinking like, oh, I know they're there, but it doesn't affect the quality yeah. of this overall, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's things like the fact that the live shots of the shark are so completely different to the actual uh, mechanical shark. And I think there's mistakes like the live shark might actually be female and and the mechanical shark isn't and stuff like that. It doesn't matter. It's it's perfect. It's one of the most perfect films ever. And you and you basically watch it for for Shida, Shaw and Dreyfus. Yeah. And it's fantastic. There's normally a Jaws poster behind me, but I've replaced it. So. Okay, okay. Um, it's a great, great choice. Um, it's one of those movies I feel like you could watch, clearly if you, you're, as, a, as a massive fan, you can watch over and over again and not be bored with. Yeah, I've seen it so many times. I watched the first ever TV screening of it. And, uh, it was the first video we got out when we got a video recorder. It was that and Time Bandits. Oh, Time Bandits. And uh, when you got a video out back in the day, you'd always watch the film at least twice before you took it back. Yeah, you've only got a limited amount of time. You paid for that, you yeah. can't do. Um, yeah, so it's that. That's great choice. I have to ask, as I already brought up as well, what's your thoughts then on the sequels? Have you seen all of the sequels? Uh, probably haven't seen four. Uh, the Revenge. Mm. Yeah, um, three is pretty bad. Two is better. Mm. No, it's no original. It, it uh, number two, it's kind of like a TV movie as far as I'm concerned. It kind of does the right things, but it's just not big enough. It's not epic enough. Yeah, but, you know, and some great moments. Obviously, Shida is is great, and uh, but it's not quite there. It really isn't. No, no, it is one of those um, once only movies. And although you can never say never say never because this is the film industry. You kind of feel like Jaws is safe from a remake. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to dare, right? Right. And <laughs> we've had, thankfully as well, we've passed through the love affair people had with shark movies. You know, that yeah. a couple of years ago, we seem to have got, that yeah. seems to have gone. So hopefully safe. Yeah. And the cool thing about Jaws is a lot of people became scared of sharks because of the film. And I love them because of that film. Uh, my brother is a marine biologist because of that film. Oh, wow. And uh, we love sharks. I mean, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Second choice then. 
Right, okay. Um, this is also, in my mind, one of the most perfect films ever made. Okay. It's a zombie movie. Okay. So it is, of course. It's gotta be. Of course. Of the dead. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, um, don't really, there's not really a lot that can be said in regards to <laughs> disputing it. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's what made me a zombie fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you, it's, it's kind of like Jaws in the fact that you kind of watch it for the characters. Mm -hmm. Brilliant, and the camaraderie that they have in the film is amazing. And uh, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of the people involved with uh, Dawn of the Dead and George Romero movies. And, uh, and that kind of brings me closer to the film. I've met Scott and Ken and uh, Michael Gornick, who, um, who filmed it and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I love it. I couldn't live without this movie at all. And, uh, but weirdly enough, um, Day of the Dead, creeping up there, the more I see it. And uh, one of the last things that I got to do before lockdown is I met most of the cast of Day of the Dead. Oh, wow. And it actually makes me love the film even more. So that's actually starting to creep up in my, in my kind of... Oh, that's so... I, lo I love it when I hear things like that. You know, you, yeah. you know the score when it comes to hero worship and stuff like that and never meet your heroes. Yeah. So when you hear particularly some of the characters uh, from Day of the Dead, you know, weren't exactly yeah. the loveliest of people that you kind of... Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, Laurie Cardiel, who plays Sarah in Day of the Dead, she's absolutely fantastic. Spent quite a bit of time talking to her. And uh, Terry Alexander, superb. Um, yeah, lovely people. And uh, I did some photo shoots with them. It was perfect. Oh, so when you say Day of the Dead's beginning to creep up there, um, I'm wondering, uh, I'm wondering if, you follow, if your path is similar to mine. Mum, I never really liked Day of the Dead growing up. I was always more of a Dawn fan. But when I got older, uh, I started to appreciate Day more because I um, I love um, as much more because of uh, its, I guess you would say, almost more bleak outlook than you had gotten yeah. Dawn. Um, was that yeah. something on your side? Uh, first time I ever saw Day, I kind of wished that the entire film was as good as the last, like, half an hour. Fair dues. But um, growing up, I now realise that you need all that talky stuff and you need the build-up for that to make you know make it better at the end and uh, I love all the, the stuff at the beginning now yeah all the, all the kind of banter and the arguments and all the stuff with Joe Pilate it's fantastic and um, yeah I now see it it's it's not quite dawn but it's getting there and having spent some time with the, the people um, yeah it could overtake soon it might do uh, back to Dawn, right? But then what's your thoughts? How do you feel about the remake? The, what, 2004 was it, I think? Um, it was okay. It shouldn't have been called Dawn of the Dead. Fair dues. Okay, cool, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're chalk and cheese to me. I'm yeah. Just... Yeah. That's, that's all I have to say on that matter. <laughs> okay, your third one then. Right, okay. Uh, an older film. Mm -hmm. Um... Vincent Price classic, Theatre of Blood. Cool. Uh, how uh, familiar you are with... Uh, I have seen. I saw it once many years ago. It's one of those that I plan to get back to for the site more than anything else once yeah. I get to it, yeah. 
It's one of those films that in regards to what it sets out to do, it's utterly perfect. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Price um, is amazing in it, gets to do lots of Shakespearean characters. For a film uh, from 1973, it's incredibly gruesome. Uh, the humour is fantastic. So many great actors. It's pretty much uh, the entire cast, uh, all very famous kind of uh, old style actors. Uh, it's Vincent Price's best movie as far as I'm concerned. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, and, and my particular version here is signed by the lovely Madeline Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah, all right, there, yeah, okay, brilliant. Because when you said about gruesome, I couldn't have noticed my eyes glanced over to the 15 rating. Now, I thought I was, <laughs> I was like, okay, that you said it was 1973 and it still has a 15. Now, because most movies have been reclassified and things that were once 15 or 18 are now 12, you know, and stuff like that. So it still yeah. holds a 15. Back in the day, outrageously gruesome for a film of its type, and even now, outrageously gruesome for a film of its type. Fascinating, fascinating. The killings are all completely ingenious and they're really gross. <laughs> um, and it just so happens that in the past few years I've gotten to know um, Vincent's daughter, Victoria. Uh, she actually officiated um, my wedding a couple of years ago. And um, so I've done a lot with uh, lots of Vincent Price fans. Uh, so a friend of mine, Peter Fuller, who runs the uh, Vincent Price uh, Legacy UK site and uh, we go around all the locations and uh, literally all the locations in Theatre of Blood, we've done them. Wow. All the places and the entire film is location. There's no studio shots in it at all. Oh, wow. So many places to visit. So yeah. on that then, because obviously, the well, basically you can explain it for everyone, the abominable crypt that tripped terror. Can you <laughs> tell us a little bit about it? Um, I set it up a few years ago because um, basically I'm so into the horror genre, mm. the classic films, uh, some of the modern stuff I, I don't really care for. But um, rather than review films, because even though I used to be a music reviewer, I find reviewing films quite dull because you have to explain the film. So with this, I I kind of get to big up a film and just put a couple of sentences about what I think of it. And uh, it goes out on Facebook and loads of people react to it. And uh, and that's all I need really for me to just uh, get these films out there. And uh, I don't big up my website a lot actually, because I just kind of do it. It's kind of a blog. Yeah. And actually everything I watch, it goes on there which sometimes means that I cover films more than once, but it's literally, after I've watched it, I've got to say something about it. Yeah, but that's no bad thing. It's, even if it was a repeat post from years ago, it's Facebook, it's been buried anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, when we've talked in the past, and you've already brought up a few times, you have got some incredible stories regarding who you've met, who you've been involved in, and so on. For you then, what one person, or persons as a group, left you starstruck? like you couldn't believe? Um, obviously, it's such a thrill to hang out with Victoria Price. Um, and you kind of get, whenever we're with her, we kind of feel like her dad's there too. Yep. Yeah, so that's great. Um, I got really nervous when I met Christopher Lee. Oh, oh wow. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and uh, at the time, I had really long hair, like really long hair. I think I had an eraser head t-shirt on. And uh, my wife or girlfriend at the time, I think she had like stripy tights on or something like that. And uh, Christopher Lee did all the, the kind of signing for us, but he kind of looked at us with a like, Oh no! <laughs> he was very polite and very nice, but obviously you don't want to push it too much with Christopher. I um, can't imagine. Um, yeah, but there's there's been some great people with Matt. I've met a lot of the kind of uh, people associated with Hammer films, and uh, some of them have become friends. So that's so that's really cool. That's really awesome that your passion, you know, has extended that far as well. Um, to a point as well, you know, that you're also given back to the industry as well, whether it be plugging a movie and so on and stuff like that. Uh, I think it's just wonderful, really. Yeah, we, we go to all the events that we can go to and kind of, you know, uh, support support that kind of thing. You know? And uh, I've met some great people, Madeline Smith, Caroline Munro, Valerie Leon, all the kind of uh, yeah. classic actors. You know, you are obviously a self-professed uh, fan, but also, let's be honest, an expert on a certain level of horror, particularly classic and so on. Mm. So I wanted to ask you then, as you already kind of mentioned as well, that you're not, you know, so much into the modern stuff. What, what do you think is missing in modern horror movies that means we don't um, have things nowadays that will last forever? So you talk about Jaws, you talk about Dawn of the Dead. There are already movies from, you know, we're talking 40 plus years ago in some regard, in some, but we're not getting that anymore. What do you think? Uh, the lack of fantasy. Okay. Uh, everything's trying to be real. Yeah. Um, everything that I see that comes out nowadays, it all looks dull as fuck. <laughs> there's, there's no massive characters, you know, all the, all the color schemes are brown and the, everything's muted and you always have to kind of figure out a way to get people off of mobile phones in order to make the situation kind of develop. And it, it's just dull. And uh, like Vincent Price films and stuff like that, uh, massive characterizations. You've got sets that are like art deco and stuff like that, really colorful. And uh, there's none of that. Mm -hmm. Everything to me looks like an episode of EastEnders. <laughs> A shit episode of Easter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, has there been anything then that you can think of on the top of your head in the last couple of years that came out and you thought, yeah, you know what, that actually is a good film? Or that you really enjoyed? Uh, um, I really liked uh, Byzantium. Okay, all right. Uh, the Neil Jordan film. Yeah. Uh, that was great. It looked amazing. Uh, the guy did Company of Wolves, uh, so really stylish. And um, that was the last one that really impressed me. And that was 2009, possibly. How have you run out, though? Sorry? Haven't you run out by now, then, though, in regards? You still find it, are you still finding um, classics that you've never seen or heard of before? Um, occasionally, but I just re-watch stuff. Well, OK, cool. If you've kind of got an evening that you want to spend really well, you watch something that you really love. Yeah. And um, rather than take a chance, I'd rather just spend my time with Christopher Lee, Vincent Price, and Peter Cushing, to be quite honest with It's really funny. Um, I think you might already kind of got this impression, but I did not grow up with Hammer 
or these classics or anything like that. Uh, I was born in early 80s. Um, I'm an 80s boy in a sense. That's my favorite uh, area of horror because of the imagination that was running wild there. And it's only through the site that I decided to start going back to see, watch Hammer and pick up movies here and there and try and review them as best as possible with those stuff. And uh, it's interesting we talked about colors, be color before. When you said that, one movie jumped in my head, The Mask of Red, uh, The Marquis of Red Death. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the very first classics that I watched and reviewed for the site. And I couldn't believe how, how, how great it was, how much I fell in love with it. And whenever I picture it, all I picture is the colors and the vibrancy. And compare that to my slew of found footage horrors and all that, the difference is night and day. Yeah, yeah every room has got a different color. Mm. Uh, it was uh, photographed by Nicholas Rogue, who obviously went on to do kind of his stuff. Uh, Jane Asher, Vincent Price, yeah. uh, filmed in the UK yeah. by Roger Corman, and uh, it looks gorgeous. Yeah. And uh, the dialogue is amazing. It's a really satanic movie. It is, yeah. <laughs> in, all the, in all the good possible sense. Right. What's really cool is there's, uh, there's some shots of uh, Vincent Price and Jane Asher going antique shopping um, as they were making the film. And a couple of years ago, um, myself and some others did that very same antique shopping with Victoria Price down Portobello Road. Oh, wow. Which was great. Absolutely. It must, um, I don't want to say drive you nuts, but it must, some, you know, when you kind of get that frustrating thing where you're speaking to say someone you don't know very well and you mentioned, you know, your your, lo your love of Vincent Price and you go, oh yeah, uh, what the, oh, he was in Edward Scissorhands, wasn't he? And that's the kind of thing you only know him from. Yeah, that's that's normally the one. If people don't know Vincent Price, I mentioned Thriller or Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> of course, Thriller, I forgot that, yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. And of course, a lot of people associate uh, Vincent Price with Hammer. And he never did a Hammer film because he was under contract to AIP in the States. He never did a Hammer film. Do you reckon they're getting confused there with Cushion? They must be getting confused with Peter Cushion because you wouldn't be getting confused yeah. with Steve. Yeah, I've, I've literally bought a book where one of the questions is, which of these actors is associated with Hammer films? And you look in the back and their answer is Vincent Price. And I'm like, oh, no way. So, yeah, that's uh, people getting horror wrong. Which yeah. <laughs> right, we're going to move on now to your music then. Your music choices, you get to bring three, BM albums, EPs, live albums. <laughs> right, uh, not live albums. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Obviously, this is really tough. Of course. Um, how do you pick three, right? Uh, I've got so many influences, Adam and the Ants, Joy Division, Dexys Midnight Runners, all that kind of non-metal stuff. I love yeah. electronic music. I love black metal, death metal, doom metal, all that kind of stuff, yeah. as well. Um, but I've, I've narrowed it down to three bands that have been a constant Okay. everything. So I may decide that I'm not listening to metal anymore or I'm listening to something else. But these three bands have always been on the turntable. Cool. And the first one, Paradise Lost. Amazing. I fucking love Paradise Lost. Mm -hmm. um, and weirdly enough, this is one of my favorite albums by them. And it's not even a metal album. Are you familiar with this one? No, I'm not. Paradise Lost only uh, came to me in the last, uh, or that got in Paradise Lost in the last four to five years. 
So yeah. it's been slowly working way backwards, and that one has not come up yet. Uh, this is an electronic album. Okay, cool. All right. It's kind of Depeche Mode sounding, uh, but with guitars. But the thing is, it sounds exactly like Paradise Lost. Right. You know what? I may not have heard. I've heard music from this, and I'm aware. Obviously, this is quite a divisive record uh, yeah. at the time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they may have lost some fans over this one, but it's got some of their best songs. Every song is great. And uh, Nick's uh, vocals on the album are fantastic. Uh, there's enough guitars on it for my liking. The electronica stuff is really cool. Uh, female backing vocals is just gorgeous. I probably couldn't live without this album. Oh, wow. Well. And they've literally just released an, a great album. As yeah, a, I was going to ask you. Oh, oh, yeah, I was going to ask you how you feel about their, I dare I say, return of form or like return to grandeur almost, where they're kind of be you know they're they're being talked about in their adoration again yes yeah and as far as i'm concerned this band have not released anything that i've not liked ever and uh but host or as the band would say host <laughs> uh it's it's just got some of the best songs i've ever written on there. okay i'm off work this week i'm going to try and check that out tomorrow give yeah. a proper listen yeah i think you'll do You'll do well with it. Cool. All right. Second choice, another band. Uh, these are all bands that I've been listening to for decades. Now. Yeah. And um, my second choice. Oh, wow. New Model Army. Fucking love New Model Army. Okay. And um, they're a band that mean a lot of things to different people. They're kind of a folk band, punk band, post-punk band, rock band, heavy rock band. Um, but for me, this album is everything. Um, yeah, it's just perfect. Uh, so many great songs. I can literally just breeze through this album. Uh, loads of tribal drumming. Uh, there's gospel stuff on there. Um, some of the songs are just so emotive. Uh, but as it's New Model Army, it's all really northern sounding and it's fantastic. You know, Bradford and um, it's quite a world record, but it still sounds really northern. And, yeah, you, the way you describe it, I don't know. New, I don't know New Model Army well at all. But what you, you know, except mainly for uh, the more punkish edge than anything else. But the way you describe that album, I'm thinking, what the hell? This isn't who I, th who I th thought they were. Uh, it's. I think this album in particular has reignited a lot of passion for the band. That lost at certain points but to me um i love all their releases but i probably couldn't do without this one it's, it's literally got songs on it that have made me cry when they played them live oh really oh that's fantastic they've got that much of a bond with that I, that's fantastic the so, cover is amazing oh yeah yeah artwork uh, from jules denby as um as um all the uh nma stuff is and um, with the band, they've they've also just released an amazing album, which came out um, some point last year. Okay. The um, midway through the year, and that's fantastic as well. So these guys literally can't do anything wrong, as far as I'm concerned. And um, yeah, and I'm happy to say I know a couple of the guys associated with New Model Army, so that's cool. Awesome. Um, I don't know if you remember, Carl, when we last spoke, 
I was trying to get their bass player to wear one of our t-shirts. Of course, yes, of course. Oh yeah. God. He did. did a lot. Wait, I saw the picture you put up on. Yeah, of course. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's such a dude. Um, yep, because uh, we were supporting Godfrim at the time, uh, who have just released a fantastic album. Oh, yes. And um, I basically said, Kerry, I think you should get one of our t-shirts. And he, he didn't have any money on him. So um, we didn't have a cash thing, a uh, card thing at that time. So I basically just bought him a t-shirt and I was kind of hoping he'd wear it. And he wore it pretty much on every day at the last tour. That's fantastic. And uh, our Spotify listeners went up big time. Really? Oh. You wouldn't think like that would have that much of an impression, but if you saw a notable increase, that's, yeah. that says a lot about the power, that, the power of a t-shirt. <laughs> and a, a lot of you Model Army fans, a lot of them are metal fans, so that's really cool. And uh, the first time I saw Kerry wear the Goat Monsoon t-shirt was on me and my wife's wedding anniversary in Pamden. And what was really cool is we clocked each other when they got off stage and we both exchanged. Oh, banging, man. That's so wonderful. That's the, that's the, that's the kind of perfect story you couldn't, perfect story you couldn't, um, you couldn't have any, it couldn't, it couldn't work any other way. It's, it's yeah. so, on a wedding anniversary, you're in Camden, yeah. you're wearing your t-shirt of the band yeah. that you're in. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I know uh, Kerry from New Model Army. I also know um, Nelson, who was a former bass player, mm. who was in the band for oh, 22 years or something like that. And um, yeah, Nelson was at my wedding, so that's really cool. Fantastic. And, um, yeah, uh, I love him. Absolutely love him. Great. Right, right, last one. Right. Third choice. I don't know if you'd know this band, but... Um, Here we go. Third choice. The Murder City Devils. Oh, right. I'm, I was getting confused. It says Thelma. <laughs> it does. It says, yeah, it says Thelema. That's the... Uh, it is Thelema. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, nope, I've never heard of them. Punk band uh, from the late 90s, possibly mid 90s. Uh, they're quite noticeable because even though they're a punk rock and roll band, mm. um, they kind of have like Moog and Farfisa organs throughout their stuff. So it's kind of got real gothic overtones. And um, they've released some pretty punk kind of albums, but this is a lot darker. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a more mature sounding thing. And it, it contains several of my favorite Mother Seat Devils tracks ever. So I couldn't be without this album at all. Are they still going? Um, they split up in about 2001. Okay. Since then, they've released one more record and they keep kind of reforming and doing shows. Uh, I've never seen them live at all. And uh, the thing about these guys is uh, they're pretty drunken rabble. Ah. <laughs> uh, their live shows are quite chaotic. Um, the singer who is brilliant, a guy called Spencer Moody, he rarely sings the right words over the right bits of the music. He kind of makes it up as he goes along. But I make a point uh, before every gig I ever play, I listen to the emergency Devils. Oh, really? Because I love how chaotic it is. And I kind of hope, in a way, 
that we do a show that's that chaotic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what tends to happen is we just play a show that's actually quite good and quite well, well rehearsed. And... Yeah, I know. What a terrible thing that is um, <laughs> to, to not have that chaos. I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, I've never, I've been to bad shows. I've never been to a chaotic, good show. And it is kind of like, I would like to do that once. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time when I see uh, footage back of Goat Monsoon playing, even though I love what we do, sometimes I think, oh, I could go really mad on this bit. But I'm not getting any younger. And basically, I'd quite like to play the part well, rather than go completely mental, you know? Stop being so damn professional. No, no it's my downfall. <laughs> right, that's all your stuff for the island. We do have one more. One more that we don't tell you about until the video happens. We're going to get to that in a moment. Stop the top of the head thing. But before then, what for you is a realistic goal for Goat Monsoon over the next couple of years? What would you like to be able to do realistically? Um, more festivals. Yeah? Definitely. Um, I don't know if in this day and age getting signed is of much importance, really. Does it? If we'd have maybe happened earlier, we may have been signed by now. But we just want to play really cool shows with really cool bands. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I'm nearing, uh, I hate to say it, I'm nearing, uh, I'm nearing 50. You know, so if I can do anything that kind of brings uh, back the kind of Bloodstock vibe and all that. Uh, we've done some cool stuff. We've supported Paradise Lost, we've supported Orange Goblin, we've supported Godfrey, Crowbar. Yeah. Uh, More of that, please. Yeah, that is very, so very realistic, very sensible thinking as well. Um, yeah. I hate that I'm so sensible. No, but it's like, if you've gone, oh yeah, we want a headline Varkin or something like that. It's like, come on guys. Yeah, like, well, no one's saying it can't happen. It's yeah. like, ultimately, you, it's a, it, it, there's, there, there's the gulf and you've got to get to Varkin first. Um, what is- The way I've always seen it is I would rather do a brilliant support slot than a half-assed headline. Yeah, yeah, which is totally, totally right. Cause at least we're going to remember that. Um, if you could choose a festival then, worldwide, that you're just playing at, no particular position or whatever, what one would you really, like, what would be a number one, like, yeah, we want to go do that one? I think you've just said it, Wacken. Um, yeah. yeah. What about a band then? If you Sorry? Could, what about a band? If there was someone you, uh, a band you could play with, either supporting or them supporting you, what's the, what would be a dream band? You know, anyone. We've, we've already done it. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I can't speak for the rest of the band. Uh, they'd say things like uh, Clutch and Down and bands like that. But for me, we've already done it. Already done it. That's uh, I love that, that you've already done it in your eyes. As always, what can folks out there, to, out there who are watching this now do to help support you, basically? Um, aside from, I don't know, adopting a goat, but I don't know how much that supports you. <laughs> Um, no, but obviously goats are pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, anything goat related is always good. Um, buy merch, we've got loads of stuff on Bandcamp. Um, check out Spotify, uh, just things like that, really. Just uh, you know, try to keep us in mind. And, uh, yeah. 
you know. Um, but we'd love to come out and play, and, and when we do, support the local gigs. Yeah. Um, lots of people say that's what they do, and not a lot of people do it. So basically, when this is all over, we we want to play to round gigs. Kind of need to as well. Yeah, yeah, and that, that may well happen. I think people's hunger for live music is, you know. I think the first couple of weeks potentially could be crazy. You know, it'll calm yeah. down and if things go back to normal, it'll be back to old man and his dog, you know, but <laughs> yeah. for now. Playing to the other bands. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Right, you get one more item. Before we disappear and leave you on this island, island you get one more. I and feel like I'm on an island because I'm burning up here. <laughs> luxury item. You may need a bag of ice then. Um, you get to bring <laughs> a luxury item, something you think you can't live without in your day-to-day -day life. Ooh. Now, every band we've spoken to doing this has done the same thing and gone, Oh, I should probably say my instrument, but I don't want to. So don't, don't be the guy that wants to bring his bass. Uh, shall I take my double bass? Oh, uh, shit. The it's, a, it's acoustic. I don't the need to take the light bolt. Uh, so I could take that. Um, I'll take this. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going cuddle at night. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my wife. What am I talking about? No, no, we forgot to say there is a rule. The one rule is, there are no rules except this. You can't go, I'm bringing someone else with me. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Let's do this. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Thanks, Mr. Monsoon. Thank you very, very much for your Thank time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there, that's patreon.com forward slash GBHBL, as well as Big Cartel, where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, and of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for?